is your guest host, Annie McCormack, and you are hearing the weekly beat that Mike and I made for you here on Beat to Beat, the podcast where we discuss the future of music with the future of music. This week, we're doing something a little different, and I'll be interviewing my boyfriend, the usual host of this podcast, Michael Doyle. Also, instead of a live performance, we'll be recording... Looking at some original recordings of Mike's and discussing them. If you would like to be an artist on Beat to Beat or would like to come guest host this show yourself, please email beat2beatpodcast at gmail.com. So as I said, my guest this week is a singer, producer, multi-instrumentalist, and above all, my man. Welcome to your own show, Mike Doyle. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, how does it feel to be on the other side of the microphone? Uh, well, technically, I'm on the same physical side as I usually am. Are you? But yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a live. Uh, you know what? I sit over here so that I can see the screen and make sure that, like, you know, it's still recording the whole time because you're mm. doing such a long recording that it's like, I mean, it, there's technology involved here. So, like, you know, things have happened where in the middle of a podcast that we're doing, the the microphone will like, or something will happen and all of a sudden there'll be scratching and popping all over everything and I have to stop and restart everything. You know, it's just like things happen. So when you're actually, it's kind of like maybe like a director that also acts in their movie, hmm. you know, that you have to deal with both the creative side of like, hey, I'm here talking to somebody and I'm on a podcast, but also, and like trying to like make the keep the conversation interesting and say something meaningful, but also make sure that it's not all being wasted because your, you know, digital audio workstation, your DAW Let's start over. didn't, didn't crash. You're talking too much about this shit. Why? Cause it's just, you're just running on. That's fine. Let's no, let's, let's start over. No, we're not going to start over every time we don't like it. I know, it. but let's start over now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping all no! of this. Yeah, we're going now. Okay. <laughs> this isn't fair. I'm the host. You are the host. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's okay. So I mean, we're, what? Do you, I'm sorry. I I just figured you know we're doing something. You talked way too much right there. I feel like we're about doing something meta. About something that we're, I'm talking about the podcast. Yeah, but these are the details that are supposed to be a secret. You're not supposed to say, oh, some you know. <laughs> I don't we start over. I don't, no. Yes. I don't think so. I think this is going to be the best podcast no. ever. <laughs> I think we're off to an awesome oh start. Oh, my God. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so what did you want to talk to me about? Host? Guest oh host? How do you feel guest hosting? I feel like this is why I don't have my own podcast. Because I would be like, let's go back. And- no, we're just running now. <sighs> Baby, please. No. <laughs> oh, go. Oh Come on. What did you want to talk to me about? All right. Why Why did you start this podcast? Why did I start this podcast? See, now you still want to talk about the podcast. I'm just not talking about technology. But... Can we start over? No. <laughs> <laughs> why did I start this? Because of you. Because I didn't listen to podcasts before I met you and before, I mean, even a long time after I met you. You know, you were the first person that I knew that like avidly listened to podcasts and I was like, I didn't even think anybody did them. But then once you showed them to me and I found it interesting and that's a valid platform, I think, for people to 
create their own, their own conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It's better than, I like it better than like having real conversations and just kind of reporting. That's why I don't want to stop once we start, you know? Yeah. But that's, so but I mean, that's, so that's why I started this podcast anyway, is because I thought, there need to be more valid conversations surrounding songwriting specifically and music technology specifically and the music industry and what it means to be a small artist because that is the majority of musicians out there. So, and I am one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I have a, you know, a lot of my friends are those people as well. Those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's why I started it and... I don't know. I've been enjoying it. I think it's going well. What do you think? I love it. I I mean, I've seen a lot of these artists perform, and mm-hmm. so I've gotten to hear them live. And um, I always want to know what's going on behind the scenes, like what brought a person to write the song. Even if you interpret the meaning, I, I believe in what one friend called it, the autonomy of music. And mm. everyone listens to a song and hears what's relevant to them and yeah. interprets it how they want. I do love that. Yeah. But hearing the actual artist talk about where they got their inspiration and, you know, what led them to write the song is fascinating too. It's And I've found that you still carry the same autonomous meaning the next time you listen to the song it's just interesting to know the artists why they wrote it Mm, and the origin story right you you sometimes it's better to you know make your own meaning of a song first before you hear the the artist's meaning because i don't know for me that that's just the way it's worked Mm. because you have it's like when you read a book before you watch a movie you know like you, you create your own story in your mind. And then even when you watch the movie, you still remember, oh, the book was yeah, so good. I actually don't like that dichotomy then with just the book movie thing, just because it like always ruins the book for me kind of, or like taints it a little bit just because well, you already, if you read the book first and you already have this, like, you know, the characters in your mind built up and it's never going to be the same as the movie and the movie's never going to capture as much detail. But I find that if you have a really... Like Life of Pi, for example, that's one of your favorite books. Mm-hmm. You recommended it to me, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. The movie was great. I though. read the book. I had my own. You know, if you've read the book, you know that you have. You basically, it's it's very, it's full of imagery, and mm-hmm. you basically create a movie in your mind of what you think is happening throughout the book. And if you know, I won't ruin it, but the end shows you a whole nother picture. Mm-hmm. And I found that when I watched the movie. You know, I still, when I think back on the story, I it's kind of a mixture of both, I would say. Mm. You know, I think about stuff that I thought about, the imagery, the what the words created, and I still, you know, sorry, you're looking at me like I'm talking too much. No, you're fine. Continue. No, this is about you. We should talk about it's you. It's not, no, no, it's about our conversation. Okay, well, the point of that was, you know you have great artists on your show and it's great to hear how they got to where they are mm-hmm. and what made them write the songs. Yeah. It's just wrote. another level of depth to the art. You know, it's like just, uh, giving you more context, you know? And if you think about it, context is everything. Right. And it's, it's, it's all about, it's not about what it is. It's about what it is in its relation to what's around it. Everything, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like, I, I think that's a, a really valid thing. Yeah. And that's a big part of why I wanted, you know, a podcast like this and it's cool. You know, it takes work. It costs money, 
Um, and um, you're actually, you've been a sponsor at times of this show as well, you know, by helping um, here, just like, this is, this is what I want to kind of move into more of is now interacting more and switching things up and having, um, you know, new interesting kinds of formats to the show. So if anybody has any, you know, ideas of what to do, like guest hosting or, you know, doing things that other than doing live performances, potentially looking at recordings and actually, you know, talking about them more in depth and talking about the process behind a specific recording as opposed to just a song, you know, there's a production aspect and element to that too, you know, yeah. that you can talk beyond just the, cause there's so many layers to it. But I, again, so that's like, I think just one of the best things about it is it gives you this context outside of just the piece of art when you can s sit there with the person who made it and talk about the context in which it was created. Um, I think that, brings new life to the art itself and that's mm -hmm. cool because you know like what's more valuable than a song well nothing but you if you can make that song uh more meaningful by putting it in context right. i think that's one of the big goals of of what i'm trying to do with the podcast yeah. nice yeah so <laughs> so give me like a little background on you know from when you were young and you decided music was your path and then how, mm. you know, to where you are today and give me some highlights. Uh, I mean, I wasn't that young. I mean, I think I, I did actually want to buy, well, not buy, like when I was really young, I remember asking my parents for a guitar, like maybe like seven or something and they got me a guitar, you know, like a little kid's guitar, a little small guitar. Um, and I, um, like, ended up you know like not being ever even learning anything on it really and i think i put my foot through it accidentally it was like covered by a shirt and i like stepped on it and i know and then i didn't play guitar again until i think i was like 14 or 15 and i wanted to like get a job and see if i can get a guitar and my mom talked to my neighbor and had him lent lend me his acoustic guitar ralph, ralph. Shout out to Ralph. Thank you, Ralph Marcellus. You get, you've given us many things. You're a badass. <laughs> yep. You're a bad dude. And I mean that in a good way. Um, <laughs> thank you for lending me that guitar multiple times on many occasions. I've gone back and not brought my guitar and he's lent me up even just for a couple of days. Um, yeah, sweet Takamini. They're good guitars. They're like Martin ripoffs, but they're like good Martin ripoffs. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, and then I, I learned, basically, he lent me that guitar and I played every day for like a year or I guess two years, you know, just on my own, singing very, very quietly. I'm talking like, you know, right. I'm talking like, like really quietly, like just like in a corner of a room in my basement, just like. <laughs> AKA how you play after roommates go to sleep. <laughs> Although it was not even close to that good. Not that that was amazing, but just, you know, it was like probably four to five thousand times more horrible than that. But anyway, so yeah, that was that was the beginnings of it, just playing guitar every day and Actually, in my, I guess I was a sophomore, um, I 
have this policy that when I want to do something, I just talk to everyone about it. And usually that brings support and interest. And eventually, if I just talk, kind of just bring up the conversation of anything that I want to do it's in like my life. It's like manifesting it the more you Absolutely. talk about it. More always. I always meet someone who is that thing that I need. Mm-hmm. Not even like, oh, I'm using people. But like I'm saying, like, is no, that you... is that missing piece? You know, and, mm-hmm. and I was in, there was a kid, a uh, kid, he was a kid, um, freshman who I played soccer with, Jack Goodall, was sitting behind me. And I was just like, he just like struck up a conversation and, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm like, I want to start a band. I'm like looking for like a drummer and a bassist. I play guitar and I sing and, and he was like, oh, I, I kind of play the drums. And like, he was like, you know, I don't, he, his, it was actually his brother's drum set and he did, I mean, he played the drums, but you know, he was very, very early on. It was like, we were all like very, very beginner at our instruments, but, um, he and I met and there was this other kid who actually had heard through a friend that I jammed with. I had a last, uh, last period in school. I had gotten it changed to the band room so I could jam on guitar with this kid, Vernon Bailey, um, who, who we jammed and, and I had told him that I wanted to start a band. He was already in a band, but he told one of his friends, somebody I didn't knew. And I was sitting in a, another study hall, I believe in an art class, I had a lot of study halls yeah. in high school, geez. Um, and, or maybe it was just art class or something. And um, I think I have your earrings in my pocket. Oh, well, that's I do. Good. Let I me just give time? them to you now <laughs> before I totally forget. Oh, they're pretty. Oh, my New Year's earrings. Yeah. Um, so, um, and he was like, and that was Mike McCourt, and he just taps me on the shoulder. Hi, and, Mike McCourt. What up, Mikey? <laughs> um, and Jackie boy. And Jack. My homeboys. Chicago and PA represent. <laughs> um, and no, he's not. In, uh, Jack's not in Chicago anymore. Oh, last time Jack's I Jack's in um, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so he Mike, da- McCord, Mike, study, Mike hall. study hall taps me on the shoulder and is like, "Hey, I heard you were uh, looking for a, 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 a like a guitar player," <laughs> and and I was like. Yeah, I was thinking about having a second guitar player. Yeah, yeah. And, and he just goes, which is me. He's ge- pointing to himself. Just double thumbs, <laughs> gesturing at himself with a shit-eating smirk on his face. <laughs> I thought it was nice. Yeah, no, it was. And I, and, but I was, like, I was like, that's pretty baller, actually. So, um, yeah, and so we had our first rehearsal along with another one of our friends, Jason Yamas, who was singing then. Hi, Jason. Uh, what up, Jace? And this is our origin story, my origin story. And maybe I'm going into way too much detail. We only have an hour. But anyway, um, <laughs> he, uh, we had our first rehearsal and we just hit it off. I think we actually auditioned Mike. And I remember him playing a solo from Alien Ant Farm and, <laughs> and me th- from oh, an Alien Ant Farm song. I forgot. I think Smooth Criminal or something. He played the guitar. Well, that's a Michael Jackson song. Yeah, but it was the Alien Ant Farm version oh. that had this guitar uh, lick in it. Um, or not a lick, a whole solo. And he did the solo, and I just—it was so beyond anything that I could play at that point that I was—I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I think I just stood up and like put my hand out and was like, "Welcome to the band." <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yeah, so we had that band and we played like intensely, like every day over the summer, and like m- you know rehearsed many days a week at Jack's house. Thank you, Mrs. Goodall and Bruce, for. Feeding us many 
treats and uh, allowing us to live at your house for like a whole summer. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much the origin of how I, I got it really into like playing music and becoming an actual musician was just kind of immersing myself in it by myself and not involving anybody until the point that I was confident enough that I felt I could reach out. And as soon as I started reaching out, that's when I, you really start to grow because mm-hmm. you then have, you know, as soon as you start to play with people or start a project, it's like now there's this like thing other than you that you like have to work for. Right. And not because you have to, because you want to, you know, it's mm-hmm. like your baby. Yeah. So you like work to make it cool and make yourself better and, and that collaboration with other people and the responsibility of having a project makes you better, makes you a lot better. And then I went and yeah, sometime around, I remember going to, this would be good if there's any pre-college kids listening that are thinking about what they want to do if you're in the career center, you know, in your junior year or something, trying to figure out what you want to be or what you want to go to school for, first question college in the first place. It's a huge investment and, uh, you know, if you don't, if you can do something practical like vocational and learn a trade, a lot of times that is a much more valid life choice than going massively in debt for something that you can learn for. Well, either way, it should be free. Either way, it should be. Well, eventually it will be. But still. The tide of public opinion in the world, we can't, (laughs) America can only be assholes for so long. Eventually, eventually we'll figure. Hopefully less than four more years. Everything, everything works with people. People, people want something. If the populace wants something, eventually it'll, it'll happen. But anyway, um, so yeah, around then I was going to the career center and like, I remember going home one day being like, mom, I took a, I took a test at the career center today and it said I should be like middle management. Uh, I'm like really excited cause it said I'm going to make like 80 grand my first year. Like, yeah, it's going to be great. Like I'm super pumped for this. She's like, what are you, she's like, Mike, you don't want to, I don't want you to, you don't want to do that. You know? Um, Thanks, and, yeah, thank you, mom. And, um, and I don't know, yeah, it was right around that conversation that I remember just kind of thinking, like, what else makes me happy? What else do I see myself actually doing? What was I most interested in? So that's what I ended up pursuing. And I said, I want to go to Berkeley, apply to Berkeley College of Music and Drexel, and my parents who, you know, I've actually I applied to Drexel in Pennsylvania and Berkeley College of Music in, in Boston. And I didn't get into Drexel, but I did get into Berkeley. And also, thank you, Sean Casani, my guitar teacher, because he was a Berkeley grad. Um, and helped, definitely helped me get in. Shout out Sean Casani. He's probably still teaching lessons or rocking out somewhere and being a badass guitar player. Anybody in Wilmington, Delaware, if he still lives there, uh, find him and take guitar lessons from him because he's the man. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up going to Berkeley, four years of Berkeley. I want to just skip over it like that, but you know, that was huge, obviously. Had a band with Sleepwalkers, um, you know, made a record, actually made two records. Um, not just with that band, but with other bands, and, and just did, you know, grew a thousand times. 
something, and if you're going to go to school for something, you should, I think you should go knowing what you want to do, because otherwise you literally are wasting money and wasting time. Sorry, my cat's tearing apart something. Um, but yeah, so... Go to school and, and go find, figure out what you want to do before you go and invest all that money. And then you go put your all into it. And that's kind of what I did. I mean, in my own life, I did well in school. But, you know, it, was, it was more what you do, what you put in, what you turn out. You know? So, yeah, I just invested myself in that. And then after school, I started business, started local businesses. Your song as well. I don't know. It does. And I, you know. That is 100%, 50% your song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I swear to God. Well, um, you decided to write a song and you didn't really finish it until later. I don't really remember. Yeah, this one was definitely one of those ones that the recording process was part of writing it. So this like recording that you guys just heard was, um, you know, the basically like the like it was already i would say maybe 60 percent written like as a song i think i had you know just maybe like the idea for a, a melody in the in the verse like in no words and then just like the chorus um and it was still like half together um and then this song, I mean, you can tell the the hook in it is really prominent. The I forget what that instrument is. I think originally that was like a, a clav part that I was like playing it with a clav sound. It's a MIDI keyboard, so you can change the 
you know, mm-hmm. change the instrument. And and then I was like, ah, I don't, this doesn't really sound right. It's like too. I was like, I think I need a string of some sort. So I found this. I think it's some an Asian string instrument of some sort. Um, I have no idea what the name is, but uh, and that kind of I started sort of writing like the the used that in the recording, and that kind of helped me um, have some like cohesive glue, you know, because so much of what is a song is the production. Like when you go to record it, I mean, you can have a song that's whatever three verses and a chorus, you know, and a bridge or something, or a verse refrain tune, and 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 it is it exists in and of itself but once you go to record it i mean it's all again the context of how you present it and that's how i look at like hooks like that like it's wasn't an original part of the song that was written but it became actually a focal point of the of the production of the song to the point where now if i want to play that song out i almost want to sing that part first mm-hmm. you know um or sing it in the song like i i want to you know, so that's something that I definitely like think production has done has it's this play between writing something and producing it and kind of the, the balance between those. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, do you feel? Uh, I don't know. Like for me, you know, it has a lot of, you're talking about prisons and bullets and, mm. you know, hiding what, I mean, like what, were you thinking when you wrote it? Oh, well, I mean, there are metaphorical prisons and metaphorical bullets, and it's about the prisons that we put ourselves in and the bullets that we shoot from our own mouths. Yeah, who's better them than me? Um, that's just sort of a mentality, like a general mentality that allows people to... Like better to 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 do to put themselves in a prison is just part kind of like a symptomatic part of being in that state of putting yourself in mental prisons of constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, not say you know oh you know everything should be unconstrained. I'm not saying that. I'm saying um, ideological prisons that inhibit you. Right. You know, and people put themselves in a lot of those. So that's kind of what this song became about for me when. You know, and and just sort of the idea of hiding in plain sight. Um, there's something about it. I mean, it's not. There's no direct, like, perfect correlation and meaning. It's more just a feeling. You know, it's like probing around in the dark for this feeling, and you only get to touch certain whatever you're trying to figure out in the dark. What shape is? You know, is it an elephant? Is it a giraffe? I don't know. You only get little hints at it you know you can't see it you can only you know guess at what it is based on the small parts that you that you get like wheel of fortune (laughs) okay i think i see somewhere you're going with that it seems like you had a lot of different ideas when you wrote it uh yeah i mean a lot i think um actually robbie uh wolfson from uh from ripe when we were talking about he was talking about how his writing is similar um well he wasn't saying it's similar to mine but it is in that his he doesn't put a premium or he doesn't like put importance on um like essentially he doesn't put importance on making it make sense you know it's not so important that there's a cohesive message. It's more important that there's a cohesive emotion. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you go for um, as a songwriter or what I go for is to try and paint a picture. It's like an impressionistic painting, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be exact. It's it's supposed to be a little bit fuzzy around the edges so mm-hmm. that you, again, just like you talking about with yeah, books. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, exact same thing. It's supposed to be a little fuzzy around the edges so that you get to paint with your mind. Mm-hmm. And you get to interact with it. If, if it's a photo real thing, I mean, you still get to interact with it mentally, but... You know, the more abstracted it is, the more your mind has to fill in the gaps almost. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why people really do like that kind of art, whether it's a painting or a book or or, or a a photo or a a dance Mm -hmm. or a song. It's about your relationship with it. Again, it's about the context. Okay. Context clues, people. Bring it back. Context clues. <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you, do you? I mean, what do you get? Uh, do you? As yeah, I like meaning, or what does it mean for you? What does it make you think of? How does it make you feel? Well, I mean, honestly, when you first wrote it, mm-hmm. I was thinking of it in like a relationship term because you wrote a lot of songs about relationships, mm-hmm. and I was thinking of like you know, stuff that was going on with us and, you know, hiding in plain sight. I don't know. I mean, that was... <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see how it... No, I can see <laughs> it that. Was, uh, I'm not... <laughs> rough, rough edge. Well... <laughs> and, you know, I, that's what I was thinking, but that goes to show exactly what I mean because yeah. now, for me, when I hear it, I think of way more universal terms yeah. of, like, people, you know... I mean, the first lyric is world of people right world of people come to light come outside is so i'm like literally addressing the world right right so but free come outside free from prisons that we've built all around yeah it's a it's a thing of a lot of your songs just like you know paying attention to what's going on in the world around you and not not getting wrapped up in, you know, all this bullshit kind of... It's basically just saying, think for yourself. Right. I mean, that's really what I'm talking about, like, at its core, is come out of the cave, you know, the... Whatever that is. Was that Plato or Socrates who did the cave analogy? and uh, Looking at your shadow in the cave from the, the fire behind you in the cave is casting your shadow on the wall, and that's what people think is reality, and one day... You know, that's all you know. And one day one of the people gets up and goes outside and sees the whole world around them and comes back in and tells people, guys, that, that your shadow's on the wall. That's not reality. That's that's literally like... I mean, that's reality too, I would say. That's it's re- Yeah, but if you if that's what you... Th- I mean, that's a metaphor for, for exactly the same thing is like, you know, you have to step outside of what you've been taught. And you have to take Im- everything into perspective. Imagine all that could be possible. Yeah, but I almost see it as like... You know, you're, the fire's behind you, and that's real, and your shadow, that's almost like... Yeah, they're, I mean, they, it's, it's, yeah, that is, re- their reality, and that's kind of the point. So, it, like, you writing that song it's might like have the been, Matrix. like, the person, and the fire might have been what you felt inside, and the shadow might have been what we all feel, the, the reflection of what you wrote, 
And even though the fire is what you got you to write it, and that was your inspiration, we're mm-hmm. all seeing the the shadow and what we you know were your shadows. The see? point is that. Sorry, it's okay. You lost me there, but uh, the, but the point is that the, the, it's you know it's it's just a reflection of um, it's a it's a looking at a two-dimensional picture of what is really a 3d reality mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and just people that live sometimes it's looking at things black and white it's not seeing the context around things it's not it's not you that know. seems to be kind of the theme of the podcast because yeah. context clues people new title yeah First time that I saw your lips, I wondered what's um, the distance between our first there is that automatic, you know, thing I'm talking about. Trash bags taken out, going up with the walls around. Like, and that's why I thought it was about the song. That's the songwriter's play. That's the songwriter's play. See that I had to write songs in our context of our relationship to, this just to not how, piss you off when I'm writing songs. This just shows how scientific my mind is. Like yes. hear something and I'm like, you do come from the same now I know that it's still early, but we've been through some hard times. Shout out McCormack. They're totally listening. Oh my god, I'm texting them all. I'm telling them to listen. Um, so should we listen to the other? Yeah. Oh, so wait, so this is, uh, this is, this is actually a special song for us. Right? So I wrote this song this is, this is my, so I'm not, I don't claim to be. And, <laughs> but, but no, but you know, I mean, when you start to, when you really start to analyze singing versus rapping, it's very, it's the same exact thing. It might be rapping singing, but it's very They're, they're literally playing a few notes the whole time in their melody, but it's more rhythmic and symbolic and, Im- and you know, you're using imagery um, as your, as your, what, so that I mean, I don't know. I'm a bring it to I guess this one doesn't take quite as much information. Yeah, this is a new version of the 
first time that I saw your lips I wonder, yo, what's the distance between our first kissing now? Cause you and me, we go together like a natural Your love is actual, I'm gonna give it back to ya Slow me down and fire me too fast for ya By the book, our love is classic Microscope is matchless, catch this Most people never even find half this Thought of as rapping, but, you know I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, again, it's it's all the same thing. It's just atonal versus tonal mm-hmm. kind of sound. Um, but, yeah, you absolutely did get me into to, I do to hip-hop. I hip-hop, as they called me in college, with hip-hop head. Hip-hop head? <laughs> yeah, Julie, my twin sister and I, we were the hip-hop heads of uh, BU. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Going to all the hip-hop shows. That's and- awesome. Yeah, thank you, Ashish Premkumar. Ashish. One of my best friends in the whole world got me into hip hop for, yeah. for real. And I loved it in, in high school, but he like introduced me to a whole new world of hip hop. And I, yeah. I owe him because it definitely changed my life. Yeah. I mean, how? Well, let's save that for when you interview me. Let's oh, talk about <laughs> setting it up, setting it up for a yeah. future interview. <laughs> I see. Let's talk about how, you know, when you wrote the song, I mean, it's, it, yeah, that was a, uh, t- a stressful time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it, I know what it meant for me, mm. but you can talk a little about what we were going through or what, what you were going through. and Yeah, well, I mean, we'll just suffice to say that we were apart, you know, and we were had met each other. Spent every day together for like three months and then we're apart for a year and a mm-hmm. half. And I think I wrote that, you know, it was really one of the hardest times of my life. And, and yeah, so this was written and recorded in a very emotional place and a place where I felt like, I mean, it's just, you know, as a writer, when things happen in your life, you can't, I mean... You're all, they almost it becomes like therapy to write, mm-hmm. you know. You have to get it out, and and then it serves as a lasting remembrance of what you went through and the struggle and what you learned, and it makes you appreciate what you have so mm-hmm. much, you know. Like I appreciate you so much. Not mm-hmm. not that I didn't then, but I appreciate you to the nth degree that much more, you know, because I've been without you. Mm-hmm. And it's like absence, <laughs> I don't think it just in and of itself makes the heart grow fonder necessarily, but it, in our case, you know. I mean, it, it just it goes to show you, we went, we met for three months, we spent every day together and then, you know, I left and against my will and, and then we, you know, nine, eight, nine, maybe even seven or six, but a long time later, we're still, you know, going strong and... Yeah, I mean, we've yeah been, when been together. Know. We've been together and not been together several times since then, mm-hmm. and yeah, and spent yeah years apart. We have, yeah, but that's that's you know I mean, life happens and crazy crazy things happen and 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 life goes on, and you just yeah it makes you appreciate. And recognize, like, any, if anybody spends a lot of time with anybody, they realize that it's it's a choice, you know? Well, it's I can not, say it's, is... It's uh, every day I choose that I want to be with you because you 
really as I can't even not use you complete me right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Jerry Maguire is gonna get sued by I know. a major well, movie studio now. I have a tattoo on my wrist. It's a circle, and it's from the book The Celestine Prophecy, and it talks mm. about. There's a part in it. I think it's the seventh or eighth prophecy that, you know, everyone walks around as like a semicircle and you look for something to complete you. And when I got the circle, it was in spite of everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, I don't need anyone or anything to complete me. I'm complete on my own, which is true. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, at times that was true, but sometimes you find someone that. You didn't know you could live without, you know? Sure. And that inspires all over the world great art. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like love songs are the most cliche thing you could ever write. I mean, it's just the most... It's like it's like the only universal topic that will can never get played out, you know? Mm-hmm. There are other... Maybe not. I don't know. I guess maybe that's what makes it a universal topic, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's always going to be there. But... Well, I remember when we were apart one time, somebody important to me said, you know, I told them that I was going through something and they told me to write. They said, you know, write about what you're going through. And they were like, the best songs were written about being in love and the best songs were written about falling out of love or Or not being able to be with the one you love. Right. Everything in between just love, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all we have. And it's all you need, apparently. According to some very, very important people, it is. A few guys, you might have heard of them. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you for sitting in. No, thank you for sitting in. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, thank you for allowing me to sit in. Yeah, it was cool. It's interesting being interviewed, and I hope everybody really enjoys it. Got to enjoy our dynamic. It's pretty pretty interesting. (laughs) Cool. So we'll see you all next week.